Hey, I'm Steve, and welcome to the podcast Stuff with Steve. And I'm in my office with uh, Taylor, and Todd actually is a guest sitting here in my office, and Kalia Washington, hey. communications expert. Awesome. Todd is actually our videographer today. Oh, Todd's going to... Okay, <laughs> great, great. And, and he looks super thrilled. Everyone has a purpose in this room. Everybody, yeah, there's no... Everybody has a task. <laughs> Kalia, how's your day going? Ah, uh, good. It's been long. I'm tired. Okay. What made it long? Um, good question. You know, I think it's just it's the end of the week, and I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> well, that makes me feel great. The person across the I'm hall from kidding. my office didn't want to be here. <laughs> and uh, it was that lunch that the staff had at Red Robin today, right? Yeah, we had the the itis. You know what the itis is. Steve? No. I... When you eat like a big meal and you get tired afterwards. Oh, what's yeah. it called? The itis. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like after a holiday meal, like Thanksgiving or Christmas, people will say, oh, I have the itis because you pass out. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Got it. All right. I'm on. I'm on. And we uh, had lunch with our new staff member today, John Krill, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Hey, what I want to talk about today is this thing called <laughs> altar calls. And an altar call is when maybe in a church service or Billy Graham or some evangelist invites people to walk down the aisle to the front of the stage or the altar, depending on the context, and they can talk to somebody and pray to receive Christ. Mm -hmm. That's basically an altar call. So sometimes people will say to me, how come you don't do altar calls? And uh, no one will get saved if you don't have altar calls. Nobody's going to come to know Jesus if you don't have altar calls. And my one of the things I say to them is, uh, well, Jesus never had an altar call. Yeah. And uh, churches didn't do it for 1,800 years. So are you saying no one became a Christian God for 1,000? I know. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I just thought we'd talk about it. Clea, have you been in a church that had regular altar calls? Yes, that's my tradition. I'm used to altar calls. Yeah. And not just for the purpose of salvation, but like if people want to come up and receive prayer or, sure. you know, worship. Yeah. And I've been in churches like that, too. So mm-hmm. historically, Baptist churches and Methodist churches, a lot of Presbyterian churches, it was a real common thing, hmm. these altar calls. Interesting. And you could come down for prayer or to receive Christ and and so forth. So it was a real common thing. So one of the questions I just want to kind of surface is, how did churches start doing that? How? I'm glad you asked because I'm ready to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> so in about 1800, 1830s to be exact, in the United States, there was this, uh, was called the Second Great Awakening. Mm-hmm. And many, many people came to Christ. And they had these big outdoor camp meetings or meetings under tents. And the context was they didn't have buildings big enough then, and they erected tents. And one of them was in Kentucky, Cane Ridge, Kentucky. And they think maybe 25,000 people came uh, to faith in Christ over a couple-week period at these tent revivals. And ministers would come in, pastors, and usually have a uh, like kind of an emotional... Uh, appeal mm-hmm. a little bit. I, d- I don't want to overstate that. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea when I say that. Yeah. And so, uh, and 
and what began to happen, a man named Charles Finney. Mm, have you heard this name? I have, yeah. Do you remember anything He's about Finney? He's a pastor, right? Right. And was mentored by some other person. Finney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Finney was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the problem. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, he became a Christian. Uh-huh. And he lived in upstate New York called the Burned Out District. Uh-huh. And he... He uh, began to get active in his church. He led the choir. He was Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. And he had great speaking skills. And after he became a Christian, he wanted to use his training as a lawyer to persuade people to accept Christ. And so he started preaching, and he started doing these outdoor camp meetings or tent meetings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes thousands of people would show up. He was a phenomenal speaker. Yeah. And so he had this thing called the anxious bench. Mm-hmm. And he would invite people to come down to the anxious bench. Yeah. And he modeled it after the courtroom where the witness would sit on the uh, witness stand. Yeah. And Be in the hot seat. In the hot seat, yeah. yes. And so if someone came down to the hot seat, the anxious bench, somebody would talk to them about what was, um, why not receive Christ? Why, what's your... What are some of the obstacles you face or uh, what are questions you have? Mm-hmm. Questions you have? And they would either just pray for them, just like we might think of it today. Hey, you come down for special prayer. Or in this case, uh, they would come down and person would have them pray to receive Christ mm-hmm. right there. So it was called the anxious bench yeah, because it was a place where people might sit and be anxious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it grew from just a spot to an actual bench into larger benches. So what happened over time was the um, other tent revivalists began to pick that up. And there's a man named Billy Sunday and Dwight Moody mm-hmm. and other kind of people, and eventually Billy Graham. So Billy Graham would have these large stadium-filled events with people, yeah, and he would just ask people to come down if they—he would invite them— to come down to receive Christ. Mm-hmm. And they would have trained counselors to talk to them and walk them through that. And so that's where really this altar call thing got really prominent in churches in the United States. The interesting thing about Finney was he began to send teams ahead to the cities he would go to to train people to be anxious bench counselors. Awesome. <laughs> How's that? And that's what we they do today. They still do that. Wow. You know, so yeah. if uh, some evangelist is coming to Eugene, he'd send a scouting crew ahead. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. And they would have time. He would get, uh, they would assemble a group in that community to pray for the community, assemble a group to be these, you know, uh, altar call counselors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that practice just kept going, and that's why we have altar calls today. Interesting. Huh. Um, why were they called the tent revivalists? Why were they meeting outside? They, they they would erect big tents, and they would be under the just tents. Just to meet outside for yeah. their own purpose? or Right, so they might meet in an open field, uh-huh. and 10, 15,000 people might show up, mm-hmm. and they would erect a series of big tents. Interesting. To, to have people uh, under the tent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I have pictures I should have brought, but of course we're on, <laughs> doing a podcast, no pictures. Yeah. But yeah. So, <laughs> so that's why they 
would call those things tent meetings. Okay. Was, the common name was tent meeting. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So what do you think the benefits of having altar calls are? And what do you think maybe the, yeah, what do you think? The, and I was going to ask the flip side. What are the uh, downside of having altar calls? Hmm, I think the benefit of having an altar call is um, I think it's a way to kind of swallow your pride in front of people um, versus, and I think it's okay to make, have conversation with Jesus in your seat. But I think there's something special about stepping outside of the box and pushing yourself to go get prayer and be in front of people. Um, I also think it's a good place to worship. Like I miss mm-hmm. worshiping at the altar because I just feel mm-hmm. like it's freeing, like it's a freeing experience for people. Um, what else? It's an opportunity to connect intimately with people that you might not be able to do outside of that service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think all those are good. Mm-hmm. I uh, Some of the downside I think of, I guess I'm taking the negative approach, but I agree with all those positive things, is that uh, like in a case in some churches, it's physically nearly impossible to find a spot up front. Yeah. Depending on your, I guess your, uh, you know, depending on the physical layout of the of the room. So right. sometimes that's hard. At times in our church services, it's so overpacked there is no room. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's hard to believe right now because of COVID and we don't have yeah. people, a lot of people in the building. But uh, there have been times it's so crowded we just can't have room. Mm-hmm. And then um, sometimes I think people might get confused if it's not done right. Hey, walking down the aisle makes me a Christian. No, it's faith in Jesus. Yeah. We're just inviting you to this location. Yeah. So... And with that, I think some people think, well, that's the only way to do it, yeah. to walk down the aisle. Yeah, that's not true. And, but there are a lot of methods and ways to do that, right? So, right. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, some people get so stuck on maybe their church tradition. Hey, you got to walk down the aisle. If you haven't walked down the aisle, you're not going to heaven. Yeah. And, you know, somebody can believe in Christ is sitting in their chair. Yeah, exactly. Right? They don't exactly. have to do that. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, growing up, I felt I felt like there was always an emphasis on, like, you make this decision now or you'll never get it again. Like, there's an urgency associated yeah. with an altar call a lot of the times where the pastor's like... Satan doesn't want you to walk down the altar. He's, <laughs> he, he, you need to just pray away that anxiety and just walk because that's something trying to keep you from coming down the altar. And I don't believe that's true. So, yeah, I think <laughs> it can be dangerous. I can tell you've been in a lot of church services that. Uh, <laughs> no, just that whole thing. No, yeah. Walk down the aisle. You know, you know just yeah. that, that, that. Yes. Part of so sometimes I have people raise their hands. Right. You know, and so I it's had similar. I had an evangelist here at our church, Andrew Palau, um, and and in the and in the uh, you, you know he would ask people just to raise their hands, mm-hmm. but he, don't close your eyes, just raise your hand. Yeah, let us know who's yeah there. that too. You know, yeah, you know, that's kind of similar to mm-hmm. I got to lay down a little bit of my pride. Right. The other thing I think that's helpful in church services that we have done is that if you want to take communion, you got to get out of your seat and walk to the table. Yeah, because done that a lot too. Yeah, we did that for well until COVID, so for like <laughs> 10, 15 years. I don't know, a long time. Yeah. But what I noticed was that people who normally are fairly reserved and just didn't get up because it was their habit, and if they got up, that meant something. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? So yeah. I've watched people who probably hardly ever got up out of their seat to physically get up to take communion. 
the moment was so overpowering for them they had to get up out of the seat yeah. where they were and go to that community table. And we had them spread out across the room yeah. for people to go. Yeah. I think there's a power in giving people the decision to come forward. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the only power, but I think there's something special about someone making the decision with their body to declare something about their faith. Yeah, yeah, I do too. So one of the passages that people talk about to give, I would say, trying a little bit out of context to Mm -hmm. say, hey, it's an altar call or nothing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is where uh, Jesus says, whoever denies me, I will deny them before the Father. And just making that that statement, and a couple things that uh, about that passage is that, uh, and the passage reads something like, "Whoever denies me in front of the people, I will deny them for the Father." Yeah. So people <laughs> use that to say, "Well, you didn't get up out of your chair." Yeah. And so, so he's saying that to the to the people he to the he's sending them out the the twelve out the seventy out, and he's making this. He's giving them instructions on right. what to do. So that's the context of yeah. that passage. So, And it also seems like he's not talking about a salvation issue. He's talking no. about an approval issue. Yeah, You're going to be commended by your father for taking a stand. And it's an approval thing, not an acceptance thing right. into heaven. So I would just say that those verses are somewhat taken out of context yeah. in that in that case as well. Uh, for a long time, I used to teach membership classes here when I was the one doing it. And about every time somebody asked me, why don't you do altar calls? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, we just do it in different kinds of ways. Sometimes yeah. the people raise their hands. Sometimes I have them fill out this card. I have one right here. Hey, yeah. write it on the back of this card. Tell me, and I will mail you. So, or we're going to call you today. Right. You know, that instant kind of follow-up. Yeah. And so I think there's just more than one way to um my train set to have people acknowledge that they are trusting Christ as their savior. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. There's yeah. more than one call to action. Yeah. Yeah, it's kinda like there's more than one way to cook bacon. Exactly. You, you can, can bake it. Yeah, you can bake it. You can fry right. it. Right. Right. <laughs> At least two ways. Yeah, two ways. <laughs> you can do it in the microwave. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. But I don't recommend it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a disaster. I've done it on my barbecue grill. Yeah. That's not the best either. That's gross. <laughs> well, anyway, there's just more than one way to do things, right? So, well, that's the history of altar calls in the United States, and it's a purely American thing, by the way. Started here in the 1800s and continued on with uh, mass evangelists like um, uh, uh, Billy Graham yeah. and so forth. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that's it today. Stuff with Steve and uh, grace and peace to you.